whatever you think is supposed to happen, I'm telling you, the exact reverse opposite of that is going to happen. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, Paul Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Alston, you're the Wild High Hockey Podcast for November 23rd, 2015. Coming up on the show, we look for the point in a pointless week and try really hard to not fan the flames. But before we play the whoosh, say hello to your other disembodied voice for the week, to AJ of BSN Denver. Hi to you, sir. Hi to you. And I've got nobody else to introduce, so we're just going to stop the sounds and make with the whoosh sounds and do what we do. Abs lose on Tuesday, 5-1 of the Toronto Maple Leafs with every goal against coming on special teams. Four power play goals and one shorthanded. That's a thing. Eric Johnson put home the lone goal for Colorado. Uh, Then on Thursday, the road trip swung to Pittsburgh where the Abs lose 4-3 to the Penguins. Matt Duchesne scores twice and Tyson Berry gets his first of the year, but three goals against in the second was too much to overcome. And then on Saturday, Abs lose by a football score to the Washington Capitals with Nathan McKinnon getting another goal, as well as Cody McLeod and Andreas Martinson redirecting in his first. Congratulations there. But Red O'Bara gave up four in the first on 11 shots, and that was that, followed by Calvin Pickard the rest of the way, who was then reassigned to the Rampage immediately. Which um, definitely I think we take to mean that Farley's got to be getting close, right? He'll play tomorrow. Or... Is, is the Winnipeg game tomorrow? The Winnipeg yeah. game, I think, is on Tuesday. He'll play, he'll play against Winnipeg. Well, mm, No, it is tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Yeah. It is tomorrow. <clears throat> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, every other day thing is nice. Well, and then, I, of course, they come home and they have two days off again, which means they'll lose Saturday, but whatever. <laughs> anyway... They yes. play Winnipeg Var- twice this week. Yuck. Yeah, Varlamov will play tomorrow. Well, that's good because goaltending this week has really let the team down in a big way. <laughs> yes. There's been pretty clear improvement in a lot of <clears throat> the underlying numbers that we look at. Um, everything except save percentage. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, sometimes... Things, sometimes you just roll ones, you know. And that's kind of been this week in Avalanche goaltending. Yes, I would agree. What I was a little bit uh, disheartened by was specifically Red O'Bara's third goal against against Washington, the one where he was like behind the go- behind the net when it went in, basically. Uh, yeah, where he went, uh, where Carlson shot it into an open net. Yeah, that reminded me in a bad way of Calgary Flames, Red O'Bara. Where he completely committed for no really good reason, took himself out of the rest of the play, and there was nothing he could do. Exactly. That used to be a thing that he did fairly regularly, and every once in a while he would, you know, make just a ridiculous save because of, you know, him being out like that, but it doesn't take much to burn it, and you pay for it. It's something he's yeah. been so much better about, especially the week before, was his, you know, his little positioning and just being in the right spot to make the right save. So where'd that come from? I, I, you know, 
the guy's never been a starter before, and he's never. I don't know that he's ever in the NHL played this kind of load. I don't know what is uh, what it looked like when he was in Calgary. Can't say that I ever looked into it, but he's he's been playing consistently for a couple weeks now as the guy instead of come in, play a good game, you know, do your thing, and then okay, you're done. You know, he's he's not accustomed to going in day in day out being the man. He's accustomed to having to be the man once or twice every so often. So, you know, I think I think the 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 fatigue factor is probably a big one with him. Um, you know, he's given up four goals in his last three starts. He's his last three starts, he hasn't finished two of them. So I think it's I think he just probably wore down a little bit. Um, you know, some of that was also him coming back to earth a little because I mean, this is pretty identical to what happened last year, really, um, with with Red Obera with <laughs> You know the team. The team went on that it's it's Eastern Conference road trip uh, in in November, and which included a game against Philly. Oddly enough, huh? And although we lost the one last year, and not you know won this one this year, but anyway, and that was that was kind of the end of of good Red Obera. You know he had a couple of good starts, and then this time last year, towards the end of November, was the last time we saw him start a game for a long, long time. And he just he just kind of same 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 thing kind of happened here, um, except he gave us more good games. He gave the Avalanche more good games, and then he just kind of I think he just wore down. I don't I don't know that there was any anything else really um, that I would point to. I, mean, I don't I don't really know very much about goaltenders and and trying to trying to do any kind of a real in depth analysis. I talked to a lot of goaltending people. Because I don't know anything about him. And so the only thing I've gotten out of him is that Barra this year has been a lot better in terms of his economy of motion. It's the one thing that I've had multiple people talk to me about and that, you know, he makes everything count. And then we saw that all fall apart against Washington last night where he, um, you know, that third goal, especially like you were saying, he just totally took himself out of that. So, uh, you know, that's 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 all I've got. I don't. It's tough to it's tough to say, you know, when a guy is playing that well and then all of a sudden he comes crashing back to earth. I'm sure I'm sure it's a number of things. Fatigue and the fact that he just wasn't that good. You know, nobody is nine fifty good. When he was uh when he was sh- almost shutting out Montreal, um, Yeah. the T S N feed said over and over and over how this was the most games he'd ever started in a row, ever, 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 ever. Um, oh, so, perfect. so he was, he was starting his most consecutive game, his, okay. Every game he started was the most consecutive starts he'd had in his career starting last week. Okay. So yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going with, he wore down. I'm going to agree with you to a, to a large extent. Um, we all, we've also seen Barra get into some funky head spaces the last couple of years with, you know, Patrick Wall specifically saying things to that effect on the, on whatever they call that show in the morning on Wednesday or Thursday on the fan. Yeah. What I don't they, know what it's called. They, they call it something that's when Andy writes um, it. Behind up, the bench. Called, that's it. I just know that Andy writes up the wall report and that's what I know it as. That's, that's good. Everybody PS go read that every Wednesday, please. Um, so <laughs> 
while we're while we're plugging things. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, I mean, he's never been even remotely good in shorthanded situations. He's always had a really pathetic uh, save percentage in shorthanded situations, and I kind of think that in both Toronto and Washington, some early power play goals kind of put him sort of behind the ball a little bit. And when it gets kind of into here we go again land in D.C. on Saturday, then you see him start making the mental lapses. You see him start chasing outside his crease. You see him somehow missing, just standing straight up as a puck whizzes by his hip. I mean, it's (laughs) stuff that he hasn't done in two seasons. He's suddenly doing again, and I think that it's, it's a mixture of just sort of you know, him getting into some funky head spaces and then the fatigue adding to his, you know, maybe making to where he couldn't quite be as resilient as he needed to be. Right. Mentally tough has never been something he's been accused of. Right. It definitely makes him a, uh, a fun character, though. That's yeah. for sure. Because when he's going, he's going. And he oh, yeah. makes confident plays with the puck and he uh, steps out and challenges guys if he needs to and every once in a while you he, you get a get in your net wall moment with him but he usually handles the puck pretty well um <clears throat> yeah his actual puck handling skills are fine it's just a lot more to do with his decision making with the puck or when he goes to get it as we saw in like the pittsburgh game mm-hmm. that the communication broke down they had three guys around him and for some reason he's behind his net dealing with a four checker and it's like what the hell are you doing I wondered, like, I, I wondered aloud on Twitter, like, is is Beauchemin not right behind him shouting, you know, stop, you know, you've got help, get, you know, we'll take care of this or something? Like, I don't know what what communication specifically is needed there other than do not do what you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, and knowing then, Francois Beauchemin and how he is on the ice, there's a decent chance he was yelling at him. Yeah, he I yells mean, at everybody, always. He, he definitely should have been communicating something. And then Rycroft made the same point, like, assuming that it didn't happen. And to me, it's like, did it happen? Or did he, you know, get hyper-focused on making a play and not hear it? I mean, what's going on there? Yeah, definitely wonder what what just took place, because it was, everything about it was just flat-out weird. Yeah, and I mean, hockey players are humans. They make weird mistakes. I mean, you've, you've played Rocket League with me. You know that I'll go for a ball and, like, stop talking. Because I focused on it, and I'm not paying attention to anything else anymore. Right. Well, and then we both end up in the same place. Exactly. And, that, that's and when we're I... like, <laughs> and, and afterwards, <coughs> afterwards we're looking at each other like, "Oops." Yeah, then we're upside <laughs> down in the corner while the ball goes into the wrong net. But uh, <laughs> yes. I, I just wonder if something like that happened, where he's like, "Play puck, play puck, play puck," and then Boshman's behind him, going, "I'm trying to tell you, he's coming." Right. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. You know, I mean, Boschman's not a shy guy when it comes to to being a bossy motherfucker. So, you know, it's I I'm, I'm I like that theory. It makes it makes sense. It's logical. Yeah. What's What's not logical is the uh, while while we're on the subject of goaltending, the uh, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about here, Orlov. Yeah the the whole Orlov thing was I don't know. I mean, it was just dumb. It was dumb to watch. 
It was dumb not knowing what was going on because Altitude was zoomed in on Calvin Pickard's back. And it was dumb watching replays. And it was dumb watching the internet turn into the internet with it. Yeah. So The Caps yeah. feed had the had good angles of it from the beginning. So, eh. It must be nice. Um, But, yeah, what, what weirded me out about that one wasn't that Pickard didn't know he didn't have the puck. It was that five Avalanche players just kind of assumed he did. And started looping around like, well, oh, that's over. Yeah, well, and it was. I mean, even the even the other Caps players had stopped. There was nothing going on. It was just. It just looked like everybody except Dmitry Orlov realized what was going on. Yeah, but I mean, you you played to the whistle, eh? Yeah, but I mean, and you know, I think that's one of those things where you're so you're so like locked into. Oh, the goalie has it. Everybody stop doing it. You know, we just, you know, the whistle will will happen. Yeah, and I mean, then it didn't, and then it didn't, and then it didn't, and then everybody started looking around, and all of a sudden, you know, the the hamster started running on the wheel again, and <laughs> it just wasn't quite in time. That happened to Duchesne on, what was that, the fourth goal? The, the it was the Alsner goal. Yeah. Number seven. That couldn't have been that late. Mm-hmm. Was it really that late? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can, we can write it off a little bit to a garbage goal in garbage time then, but it was just funny to watch the replay on that one and see Matt Duchesne's face go... Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's I my was actually, guy. I was oddly it was I was watching him the whole time. I wasn't watching the puck because I'd noticed that he had taken into that that center spot where the center would normally be defending. And I was watching him the whole time and I was like, oh, he's doing it again. He's watching the puck. He's co- he's too far down. And then sure enough, Alsner was like, oh, that dude just abandoned his post. Let's go take advantage of that. And look what happened. Point. Because he, you know, Duchesne, it was like he knew it. It was it was like he had realized, because when he started to look around, it was like, oh, shit, I'm not where I need to be. And it was like he came back to Earth. And it, was, yeah, it was funny to me, because when the pass went by him, it was like he didn't just know that he'd fucked up. He knew that it was going behind, like, he was going in the net. He could right. tell. It was right. like, oh, God. It was, it was a total oh, shit moment. Which is, which is too bad because his line has been awesome. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's it's you know, given given all the positives that those guys have had lately, I'm just I'm just not gonna garbage goal and garbage time. Yeah, I'm not gonna get too upset about that, man. I'm just not. It was just funny, um, but I think that I don't think we've had you on since you were advocating for the for the lines to be kind of how they are ish now, at least on top. Just kind of load it up, let them score, and everything else is icing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's for a week. It really worked. I mean, even last night, had they gotten the goaltending, it still worked because yeah, they scored. I mean, look at look at how great that third line was. That's that Soderberg, McLeod, and Como combination was just. They had long stretches where they were really, really good. So, I mean, when, when Cody McLeod got that first goal, it, it didn't even feel like, wow, Cody McLeod scored a goal. That was fucking crazy. It was like they earned that. Like, they've been playing really good hockey up to that point, and they they, they earned that goal. That, that was, was a good goal. That was a sick little play. Doop, doop, doop. <clears throat> and if you think, you know, hey, that's that's the future of the third line, you know, with, with Como and Soderberg especially. Mm-hmm. And they're they're that effective. That's you know that's that's comforting. That's a good feeling. That's encouraging sign. Yeah, because Washington's a. I mean that's a, that's a really good hockey team. 
So that your that your complementary lines were able to do a little bit of damage last night. Yeah, that's that's a team that a lot of a lot of people picked to come out of the East um, for the Stanley Cup final this year, and they've really shown why. They've been really good. Yeah, I well, I mean, I think I think they're it. They're they're certainly my pick. They've been just they've been just ridiculous. They've gotten their top guys are going. They've Braden Holtby's doing Braden Holtby things. They got secondary scoring coming in from guys like Evgeny Kuznetsov, whose hands you saw for the for both the first time a lot of you probably last night. And oh my god, <laughs> he was unreal last night. Yeah, I mean that's just who he is. That's Kuzi, man. Yeah. That guy can that guy can flat play. He, I've been legit. waiting for it for years, and for him to finally come over. Yeah, well, for him to come over and then for him to finally get comfortable and look good because there were times after he first came over. Where he just looked like a fish out of water. It was all it was all confidence, you know. Yeah. And certainly was not an issue for him last night. It's yeah. the way that the way that I kind of look at Kuznetsov's evolution is kind of how I'm hoping uh, Grigorenko's will eventually go. You know, with um, in terms of the adjustment period and trying to build, slowly build the confidence, and then you get to the point where it's like, all right, let's take over the league. <laughs> I'm not sure he's got that kind of upside, but. Well, and it's it's when you play on a second line behind an elite scoring line like that, you're going to be able to you're facing not top defenders all the time. That's true. So that's that's one of the things about both Kuznetsov and Grigorenko that I'm excited about is that that's that's likely in both of their guys' futures is that they are they're going to have a lot of time on ice against not the the opposing team's best pairings. Right. Because uh, you've got Grigorinko now. Like, I mean, the, I wasn't able to notice how long the reported second line stuck together last night because I missed the first 12-ish minutes of the first period. Um, I know, big loss. Um, I, I turned it on to 3 nothing. <laughs> uh, but how long did Andreas Martinson stay on the second line? Did you notice? Um, he was he was there. Um majority of the time i believe because i definitely saw shifts where it was como uh but i also saw shifts where it wasn't so yeah looking at it um looking at the numbers just because you got you had me curious as you were talking um yeah that was the third most common combination for the avalanche last night was martinson grigorenko and aginla okay I'll, let me pull up yesterday in the NHL, and I'll have a look at what the matchups look like. Not the matchups, the other thing. Yeah, so... Oh, he doesn't have that on here yet. Boo. <clears throat> it's, um, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, Greg Rinko even pulled an assist last night, but honestly, like, he, I mean, the, the, the best play that he made did not result in a, in a goal when he made that oh, God. sweet move where he, he deked out Orlov and made that awesome pass to Boshaman. Yeah. And then Holby was, was there. Yeah. That was, that was a better fate deserved, um, for the avalanche on that play. For sure. Um, but Grigorenko, uh, if, if he does get that second line time, like he, like he should. I mean, he's he's been up and down the lineup all season, but I think he's finally gotten his chance, and he's finally showing. You know, here's why I should get it. Yeah. It's been a bit of been a little bit of a battle to get him there, but you know. Well, he's there and he's doing what he has to. You know, since he started getting more time, he's got like I think six points in five games. 
six games, something like that, without. I, I think six and five is right. Yeah, I think so. He had his. <clears throat> he had three points against Montreal, so that helps. Yeah, well, but the the good thing is though is that it it didn't stop there. It wasn't like, oh, it's just the one big game is carrying him. You know, he's continued. Right. He's had a few more along the way. Yeah. Um But speaking of taking a while to earn your shot on top lines, Andreas Martinson had his first goal last night, and he, you know, he he's shown some some moves where he looked like he. You know, maybe deserved a little bit more of a look higher in the lineup as a, as a power winger, and he's definitely had some moments when he maybe didn't. So, where did this come from? Um, you know, I'm I've I've been excited about him. Um, all you know, I talked him up all preseason, and then he went down to the AHL, and he did not look any good in the for the Rampage. He just he just did not look good at all. And then he comes back up to the NHL because the Avalanche were looking for any excuse to bring him up. They they really like him. And of course, you know, he that game against Philly, he looks awesome. You know, he he really did he's had some really good games on this road trip. And you know, I there's some things. Um he doesn't have a lot of skill. Uh, you know, he's not he's not ever gonna be a guy. I think I think if he were to put up ten goals, that would be awesome. That would be that would be really awesome. So I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of offensive upside there waiting to be, you know, waiting to, to, to be brought out, but you know, he's a physical guy. He's a high energy guy. He's so far, he's been everything that we thought we were going to be getting with Dennis Everberg this year. Right. Everberg has had one game like that. Yeah. He has been just an outright disappointment. Yeah. It's, and it's too bad because he was such a, a bottom line revelation last year. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and then Martinson's taking his job right now. Yeah, like actively stealing it right now. <clears throat> yep, because when John Mitchell comes back, there are going to have to be some decisions made. When so, is John Mitchell getting back? It seems like he's been down with this oblique for ever. Hopefully the answer is when he's healthy and not when he feels the need to come back. Yeah, that's how you heard it again. As, yeah, as we over see. and over and over. Let's see you guys fight nagging injuries all year long. Um, so, but I mean, I, I think Martins, Martinson could put in 10 goals in a season if, if they would all kind of look like the one that he had against Washington, that sort of... Bounced off his body. Yeah, or stick deflections and things like that. Right. Just redirecting it, make, causing havoc. Banging Definitely. home garbage rebounds, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a guy that they're gonna they're gonna give every opportunity to succeed over the next couple of weeks. You know, he's looked better and better, but you know, you, these guys often do when they come up from the AHL. They look great for a handful of games. You know, this is their shot. This is their time, and then the NHL grind catches up to them. Right. So. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch. I'm excited to see how Martinson goes. I don't know how I don't know how high how high the upside is there. But it's definitely worth checking out because, you know, he's on a one year ELC, so might as well. Yeah, I mean it's really unlikely that Colorado makes playoffs this year, so let's see what you got. Yeah, absolutely. What are you gonna lose? A couple of games? 
Yeah, yes. well, and, and hopefully Dennis Everberg gets it together, and you know the that that some of these young euros that the Avalanche keep investing in start to look like longer term solutions for them. I mean, and even if they don't, even if they just slot in for a good year or two down towards the bottom, that's a pretty cost effective way to do it. It is, yeah. It's yeah, better. Absolutely. It's better than extending your fourth line left winger for four years. At one point three 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 million dollars. And the, the money's irrelevant. It's that you've invested four years in it. Yo, tell me a year from now that Cody McLeod's money will be irrelevant. Okay. I will write that down. <laughs> and in a year, I will remind you. Good. Because I don't think it is. I really do. I mean, I think that a, a number that small, I mean, it's it's annoying. But it's really the the investment in a replaceable roster spot for me. And I know uh, that the team don't see it as replaceable as, as we do, but I think uh, I think it'll be a lot bigger factor when the Avalanche starts spending all their money this off season. Right now, with them, you know, having eight million or nine million, whatever it is, in cap space, it doesn't matter. Extensions coming up for uh, Nathan McKinnon and Tyson Berry. Tyson yeah. Berry. Well, if we don't trade him first. Get out! <laughs> They're not trading Tyson Berry for Travis Hamannick. That'd be such a bad idea. That's such a weird situation. Yeah, it's I too mean, bad. I'm just I'm so curious to, to know what is driving this situation, but it's also not our business to know if he God damn it if he doesn't want to tell us. Right. So it's like you don't want to push too hard on it because you don't want to be a dick. Yeah, pretty much. Don't want to be a dick is a good reason to, to just let the man be. Man, I'm just so curious. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, obviously Garth Snow wants to do this right, and he wants to not just pull the trigger on any deal either. I don't know what will come of that situation, but I guess we'll find out eventually. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, um, like I said at the top... Um, Calvin Pickard will be headed back to San Antonio because Simeon Varlamov is ready to go. Um, which does mean that we're going to see Spencer Martin, um, after he plays for the Rampage today, head back down to the ECHL. Probably. Probably. I think I think they've got a little more competition in that spot than they expected because he's been so good for them, and Roman Will has been so not. See, I'm like, I'm always, I'm always interested to hear how Spencer Martin is done because he's been pretty highly touted, and so, any good news I want to hear. Uh, yeah, no, he was, he was the man a couple games ago for the Rampage. He had like, I think, 45 saves on 46 shots. Damn. Um, yeah, he's been tearing it up. His save percentage is actually higher than Pickard's in the AHL right now. Uh, before the start of today's game, which started like. 15 minutes ago, so he might have gotten scored on. Better not nope. have. Nope, San Antonio just scored. So, that was good timing. That is good timing. Who got it? Uh, Reed Patrick. Not Rantanen, because he's got an undisclosed injury. Right, and he's, it's not, it's it's supposedly not serious. Um, should just be out for the day. So, that's all we know right now. Hopefully he's just, like, strained something there. Right. Stubbed a, stubbed a toe. 
on a cabinet this morning. No, some bullshit. Or he's got the flu or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But no, Spencer Martin, he's, he's looked great. Um, he's a big goaltender. He's very athletic. I really like where things are headed with him. Um, it's tough not to feel like Roman Will has been anything but a really big disappointment. Honestly. So, yeah, I his numbers are ungood. Off, yeah, every time every time the he gets a shot in the AHL, it just looks like he's overwhelmed. You know, he he was great for Fort Wayne down the stretch last year until he got hurt. <clears throat> he was he was leading them on their Kelly Cup uh charge and then, you know, he heard his knee and it was over for him. But it's it's definitely not encouraging to see that he continues to not be able to handle AHL competition. Yeah, for sure. So Spencer Martin can though, you know, it's, it's only a couple of games, obviously. So let's not get too jacked up, but it's hard not to be excited. It's a guy that was, you know, in, in, in contention for OHL goaltender of the year last year. And that's a pretty good hockey league. Yeah, it is. So, you know, and it's not the W where all where all the defense comes from. Right. Well, and he's not a Q goaltender, which, you know, which is why he got drafted. (laughs) The Q is where the goals come from. Right. Not the goaltenders. If you can. Yeah, no, very encouraging start to his his professional career Um, and with the avalanche really starting to lean on on the whole the whole Pickard thing. A little bit more, I think. I think we're we're staring down the barrel of what are we going to do with Reto Berra in the coming weeks because the team's not going to trade Barlamov. That one, I think we should probably book. Team's not yeah. going to trade Barlamov. Sure. I mean, I've got. A, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm writing an article where I trade him twice to different teams, but whatever. <laughs> They're not going to do it, but what if they did? Right. If they did, this is this is kind of what you want. Yeah, I mean, I mean and hopefully that'll kind of display how unrealistic the idea even is. Right. Um so we've talked about the goalies, we've talked about the forwards. That means we haven't talked about the defense. It's been pretty good. Um I think we've seen some pretty sour games out of Francois Beauchemin on this trip though. Yeah. I would agree. I would say that some of the shine has definitely come off of him from that early season where he looked like he was worth every single penny plus a few more. Um, he's he's looked a little old and slow, honestly. Not not encouraging. Yeah, he's he's not made excellent decisions either at times. Um, I think it, it might just be one of those things where he's getting a little bit too much time. He's he was a time on ice leader last night. Um, I know that part of the reason he fell off down the stretch with Anaheim last year, mm, excuse me, was that he played too many minutes. He averaged something like twenty four minutes a night for them throughout the season. Yeah, can't do that with him. No. Um, unfortunately, he's on the Colorado Avalanche. You have like one and a half top pairings. They don't they don't have that full strong like Tyson. <laughs> Tyson Berry and Nick Holden work okay sometimes. Some sometimes they really just don't. Yeah, well, like last night, I thought they 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 were more good than bad. I mean, you had the two high profile mistakes by Holden that led to goals against. So yeah, those are problems. But 
at the end of the night, you know, Nick Holden was your most positive defenseman. Um, but it's you would like to see, you know, time maybe split a little bit better between that pairing and Barry's pairing. Yes. Um, you'd like to see less Francois Beauchemin on the ice, which which does kind of mean less Eric Johnson on the ice, though. He's yeah. looked better and better he over has. the last week and a half. He really he has. Angry. Yeah. He he looks like he wants to play left wing all of a sudden. He's he. <laughs> He's playing the kind of hockey that I kind of wish uh, Gabriel Landeskog would play. <laughs> well, like I said, like he wants to play left wing. Yeah, right. Uh, occasionally he does kind of force Matt Duchesne to be the blue line player, which bothers me. Right. Because we don't want Matt Duchesne there. Mm. Want him on the other side of the offensive zone. But apart from that, he is he's activating, he's playing strong, he's the only time we really are like goddamn and EJ have been on the penalty kill when he gets sucked into the corner. And you just go, Oh no. That's Tyler Bozak all alone in the crease. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which may have happened at least once. Ugh, that game was stupid. Yeah. But no, I've actually, um, I've really liked a lot more of what I've seen uh, from from the Avalanche defense overall. You know, Boschman's kind of come back to earth a little bit from that incredible start. But Nick Holden um, continues to really have a solid, solid season. And I, I think he's a little, he's still a little overextended playing as many minutes as he is next to Tyson Berry. But he's doing a good job in that he's allowing... Um, he's playing well enough to justify keeping Brandon Gormley and Zach Redmond playing ahead of Nate Gennon. Uh, you know, and while Brad Stewart is still, I guess, I guess we're still going with the story that he's hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've really liked what <laughs> I've seen in the growth there. Um, you know, Gormley, I feel like Gormley has, he's had some up and down games, but I feel like there's, there's growth happening there. You can really see. Some things are starting to turn around in his favor. He's starting to really get comfortable in some areas. Uh, he looks he looks like he's actually starting to get really comfortable being asked what he's being asked to do uh, systems wise. Which is he important. Doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have as many moments where uh, I feel like he's kind of looking around like, oh shit, that's my guy, my bad dog. Hmm. I feel like he's he's a lot more um, intuitive on the ice about where he needs to be and what he's doing. Um, I'd still like to see a little bit more aggression from him when he has the puck. Uh, he still seems very, very uh, deferential to everybody around him. Like he's, like he doesn't, he doesn't believe in himself with the puck to go do to make something happen, to go do something. And he's got he's got good puck skills. He's a good skater. So I'd like to see some of that a little bit more. But for right now, I'll take I'll take the ups and downs that he's had because. They're not crippling. I don't feel like, I don't feel like he has one really big red flag that I'm looking at. Like Jesus, man, are you ever gonna get this together? Yeah, I mean, he not as a player, but in terms of like the way that I perceive him a little bit, he kind of reminds me of Jake Gardner in a way, which is that I don't see the good things he really does. They aren't really, really out there, obvious in your face, good things that he's doing. Right. So. You mainly see when he's doing the my bad dog face. 
just because when he's doing it right, you don't notice it. Right. Which, again, isn't to compare the two players, but that's how Jake Gardner gets a lot of hell in Toronto is because you don't see his good plays either. You just remember when he takes a risk and it blows up in his face. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, that's that's kind of how I feel about Nick Holden this season is that everybody is convinced he's the... He's the the you know the third member of the triumvirate of suck with Gannon and Stewart, and I just I feel like he's just much better than that. That's been <clears> difficult <throat> for me too because I know that he's playing pretty well, but I still want to put him in the triumvirate of suck myself, even though I should know better than that. It's just it's really hard for for people to to get rid of preconceived notions. We've seen the same thing with Red Obera as well because he's been playing so much better this year, and then as he has been fading and then eventually crashing. On toward on the end of this road stretch, you've you've seen people just make, oh well, there's the old Red O'Bear that we know. Right. It's like that doesn't mean the old Red O'Bear is back. Right. Just because he used to be that guy doesn't mean he's going to be again because you think he is. You want to give it some time to, for him to prove mm-hmm. that he's good? Well, give him some time to prove that he's not good again too. Yeah, absolutely. Goalies are voodoo, man. Yeah, very true. But I know that's that's my human perception rant for the day. Hockey's a game of probabilities, and people are terrible at understanding that. Yeah, which it just doesn't work in our brains. So fans end up going way up and way down. So yep. it goes. Um, Tyson Berry's got twelve points. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty it, fucking good. Yeah, which made it really weird when Mark Rycroft went on altitude. Uh, during the game last night and was like, and you know, went on a little Tyson Berry rant because he said Tyson Berry needed to give more. Tyson Berry had to do this. Tyson Berry that, and it was just like, um, what? Like Tyson Berry leads the Avs defenseman in scoring. He's like sixth on the team in scoring. I'm sorry, fifth on the team in scoring. He's got 12 points in 17 games. He had about as horrible a start as you could have imagined from from him. And he's sitting on 11 assists right now. So... Let me name some NHL defensemen who have more points than Tyson Berry. We have Johan Klingberg. We have Eric Carlson. We have Ryan Suter. P.K. Subban, Brent Burns are apparently our new Norris candidate. (laughs) LOL. Andre Markov, Justin Falk. Brent Seabrook, Oliver Elkman, Larson, John Carlson, Roman Yossi, Tyson Berry. He's 12th in the league in points. Yeah, so what is it that people are wanting from him? I mean, I've long been his one of his louder dissenting voices that his defense is not good enough and that it needs to continue to get better. And he still has major lapses, and he looks super-duper lost and ineffective on the PK, which is one reason why I think the PK is nosediving right now is because Tyson Berry's playing on it. But when you talk about what Tyson Berry brings to the team in terms of what, what your expectations, what he needs to be doing in order to drive success, he's doing it. So what the hell? He When you just look at assists instead of points overall, he's seventh. Seabrook, Markov, Subban, Suter, Carlson, and Klingberg in the opposite order are ahead of him. Yeah, so let's let's cool our jets just a little bit there on the Tyson Berry thing. Yeah, he's tied he's, with Tory Krug and Victor Hedman. Yeah, he's he's not had the greatest start to the season, but he's found ways to continue to contribute, and you know, 
He's been fine. And honestly, he should have had two goals in that Pittsburgh game. And so when when the not so good start balances out with with awesome mode Tyson Berry, then look out. Is basically the point here. Yeah. So, shout out. <laughs> right. Barry's fine. Yeah, I and mean, when you're looking for room, rooms for improvement, Tyson Berry's not the big gun that you look at. No, Tyson Berry has things he can it. work on. He's not the problem. Right. Um. And while we're on the subject of defense, and you've mentioned Zach Redmond, um, Zach Redmond has a, has been, you know, spent a couple of games watching after being called up, um, which, you know, like you do. And then he's been slotting in over uh, over Nate Gannon and you know, doing things like making good breakout passes and moving the puck the right direction and occasionally getting split down the middle, but that's... Because he's not awesome at that part, right? But if if he can continue playing the way that he has with Gormley, then we may have the defensive usage that we're actually looking for for once. Agreed. Um, you know, Zach Redmond's got his issues defensively, but there was a play last night when he got the puck and he was pressured by a four checker, and <coughs> if that's Stewart or Holden or um, or Gennon or maybe even Boschman in some situations. You know, that's a that's a panic pass. Got to get rid of it. Go, oh, my God. And Zach Redmond just sh- super sharp spin move, turned around, got the puck up the boards effectively, like made a really, really smart play. And it was because he's got the skating ability and he's got the he's got the creativity to be able to, to, to do something like that. And that's, I mean, that's encouraging. That's, hell yeah. Wanted to see more of that. I saw that and I was like, "All right, welcome back, Zach Redmond." Like, yeah. that's the Zach Redmond that we were used to seeing last year, playing with confidence. You know, using his skating abilities. Really good skater. So, uh, more of that would be great. Um, it would would inspire Wa to keep him in the lineup. Uh, it's been it's been kind of discouraging that he hasn't really played very much. He only played nine minutes against Pittsburgh. I think he played fourteen or fifteen last night, something like that. Um, so it's, you know, if I'd like, I'd like a lot more in that 14 to 15 range than the nine minute range. Yeah. The nine minute range ends up, you know, with way too much ice time for Francois Beauchemin. I think is what I'm trying right. to say. Right. Uh, which who we like very much. He's played pretty well. Um, but he shouldn't be playing so much. Uh-huh. But, Absolutely. But given the coaching staff, the opportunity to, uh, scratch Nate Gannon is just like, thank you. Please stay. Well, and, you know, I kind of talked about this on Twitter. You know, people were, oh, well, you know, he's 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 kind of dinged up right now and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and Redmond and Gormley are healthy. And, and for me, I'm just like, look, we wanted we wanted Brad Stewart and again and out of the lineup. And Brad Stewart is, you know, quote unquote, being he's been injured. Um, Nate Ginnon missed seven, six games last year. And last night was his eighth game missed. So this is already trending in a positive direction um, in terms of usage on that back end. Yeah, and as the usage has trended to a more sort of logical situation, then we've seen the the underlying numbers that uh, Toronto-based writers like to kill the avalanche for. Um, 
head the right direction as well. I mean, at the, at the end, beginning of the year, they had a 15-game moving average that was below 40% Corsi, and that's pathetic. Well, um, it's probably not sustainable. Obviously. Either. Obviously not, but it's like it's a far cry from the what looks like 47 48% that you see now. Right. I can't quite tell where exactly on the graph that data point is. It's 47 or 48. It's somewhere in there. Yeah, I mean it's still not good. But it's at least in the conversation with the rest of the league. It's not the oh my god, you're barely better than Buffalo that we saw for over half the year last year. Yeah. Um, we, we did see a similar spike in the, you know, at the end of the first half last year, which coincided initially with when they went away from the man system and everyone thought, oh, they got rid of the man system, so things are getting better. And then Brad Stewart came back, um, and it did not stay better. It's weird. It's almost like when you take all the really bad players off your lineup, things start getting better. Yeah, I don't know how that works. It's really strange. It's like when you play better players, they play better. Doesn't make any sense. But yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's, and it's, it's a real fucking mystery. It's almost it's almost like Toronto-based writers don't don't do more much more than look at the cute little graph or the scoreboard on any given night and decide, hey, let's just randomly take a shot at this. But this is a this has been a tremendous improvement in in the Corsi 4 numbers, um, and I believe the scoring chances as well. So it's the the, the biggest, you know, s- small-time frame improvement that we've seen under Patrick Waugh. So it's not likely to stay up here forever um, because things go up and things go down, and that's the way it is, and no one knows why it happens. Yeah, scoring chances even more so. Um, but, you know, it's real improvement, and it's been happening ever since... Um, I want to think San Jose was the game yeah. when we started noticing that. I would say San Jose is when it when it really started to feel like things were turning yeah. around. And then they pooped in Arizona, and then New York came, and it was like, okay, this <coughs> looks like a team again. I mean, they they pooped in Arizona, but it it wasn't wasn't so bad. I mean, they looked awful, but their actual numbers, uh, all of their all their fancy stats were actually pretty good that game. Yeah, the outcomes weren't too bad. It was just that they played so listlessly that it was hard to imagine that they weren't too bad. Right. Um, it's hard to take solace in the fact that, oh, your fancy stats actually looked good that game, and it was like, yeah, so what? And their fancy play didn't. <laughs> right. Wow, they actually really took it to Arizona at the end of that game. So that's been a pretty eye-crossing week at the end of the day. Um but there's definitely a lot of encouraging words to be said about it. Um, so hopefully everybody can look back at a six-point week last week and balance that with this week and have reasonable um, conclusions, right? Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. Um, what? B- before we move on to next week, I need to ask how, what you have seen out of Chris Wagner... Um, our new waiver pickup from Anaheim last weekend. We've seen uh, him make some decent plays in the neutral zone. We've seen him take a completely bizarre extra roughing penalty because he didn't like getting elbowed in the upper shoulder. That was such bullshit. Um, We've seen him kind of solo cue it a little bit because he's clearly still learning the way the team plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you seeing from him? Um, You know, I like... 
the, the things that I liked about him before he got to Denver and the things that I've liked about his game since he's got since he's gotten here. Um he's you know he's he's a good skater. Uh he pushes the pace a little bit. Uh he's not winning faceoffs though. He got crushed last night in faceoffs. I mean all the abs did, but still. It's it's frustrating um, when he's only getting five minutes, three minutes, and he got three minutes against Pittsburgh and got like five minutes last night. Yeah, that's disgusting. And, you know, that's that's just overextending of your your, your other lines, honestly. You got to – if you want to see what you have in the guy, like see what you have in the guy for fuck's sake. You claim it for a reason, I'm assuming. Right. And, you know, it takes a little bit of time um, to <coughs> to get up to speed. But at the same time, it's like play him because it's hard to it's hard to make any real strong judgments from the what maybe thirty shifts he's had in an Avalanche uniform. Yeah, um, he's there are some things that I like, um, but I've I felt overall I felt just a tinge of disappointment. You know, he was a guy that was supposed to be good defensively. He's supposed to be a good two-way guy, and defensively, he's run around a little bit. And I don't know if that's if that's system or if that's you know just unfamiliarity with how the Avalanche do things compared to the Ducks. I imagine some of it certainly is, but it's 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 been a little. I felt like I felt like he spent a little bit too much time in his own zone, just kind of getting walked by people. So it's there. There. There are some individual tools that I like, but seeing how he fits in with the team, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment until, uh, you know, until we actually see him with some realized time. Will we see him with some realized time? Depends on John Mitchell. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, can't wave him for a while. So right. we got to either play him or scratch him. Right. And if we're going to play him for five minutes a night, then we're going to see Matt Duchesne get so tired that he has a no-shit moment and leaves the point wide open. Right. It all connects. Right. It all, come, it all comes back to letting Carl Alsner score a goal against you. Yep. But, I mean, hey, that was one of seven. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, um, but, I mean, Carl Alsner has, like, ten goals in his whole career. Well, hopefully Pickard can shake off the the Carl Alsner goal stank and go tear it up in San Antonio next week. Yeah, he won't be facing any snipers of that caliber down there. <laughs> um, let's see, what have we got coming up this week for the Avalanche? On Tuesday, uh, the, finally the road trip comes to an end in Winnipeg. That's a 6 o'clock mountain start against the Jets. Uh, Colorado always plays them very well, so be, I'm really, uh, really pumped for that one my uh the, the shaking is starting to come back a little bit uh return home on wednesday we take on the ottawa senators at 7 30 uh that's a 30 start because i believe of the nbc exclusivity window on wednesdays so look forward to rivalry night there yeah. and then on saturday um god guess who Winnipeg. We have the 8 p.m. start. Kill <laughs> at, me. At 8 p.m. start, which I cannot stand. That's all. That's all these. All three of these have been on altitude so far. Um, we're going to take off next week for American Thanksgiving. Um, so the, the games next week include at the Islanders on Monday at Five Mountain, 
back-to-back -back Tuesday in New Jersey, same time, and then the Rangers on Thursday, and then winding up that little road trip on Saturday against the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. So they get two home games, and then they get to go right back to the East Coast. That's the beginning of a home-and-home -home with Minnesota, too. Is it? Yep. Next game after that is Monday at home against them. Oh, thank God it's not a back-to-back. -back. Yeah. Ah, yes. I hate when they do back-to-back home-and-homes. It drives me insane. <laughs> It's like, okay, both teams get to play back-to-back -back with travel. Congratulations. Awesome hockey coming. Yes. So, over the next two weeks, Colorado have four, five, six, seven games in less than 14 days, 12 days. Five on the road. Nice and easy schedule. Five and two. Against division three times, uh, including two teams that they historically are really not matching up well against. <laughs> so, your prediction that Varley's back and ready to rock? Hope you're right. I am. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a prediction. Uh, is this like your six points prediction? Um, no. No. How's yeah. it different? That was a moonshot. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the added bonus of beating down Montreal, which I was right about, and that was fun. That was fun. It was too bad I was in fucking Kansas and couldn't watch that game because they don't have TVs there. <laughs> have you gotten to watch the replay at least? No, not yet. I've been busy. The, uh, the first period of that game was like, thank God for Red O'Bara, and then... Nathan McKinnon scored, and then Nathan McKinnon scored again. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all fun from there. Fun, 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 fun. Uh, that, okay. was, uh, that was a game that Condon realized that he's actually not Carey Price after all. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Carey Price is back. My fantasy team thanks you. Is he back? Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that happened after Colorado played Montreal. Yeah, same. It was nice that the Avalanche actually caught a break for once. Yeah. And not just a break in the the offsides calls. Yeah. That seems to be about the extent of what they can get. Yeah, everything else is and kind of a mess. So after everyone kind of agreed that we were looking at, you know, maybe three or four points over the last week, we got zero. We all kind of agreed that they had a good chance to beat Toronto, so that meant they probably wouldn't. Um, so that they would, after all. We tried too they hard on that one. Should have won the Pittsburgh game. Should have won the Pittsburgh game. Um, we all kind of expected an overtime loss in that one. And then we expected Washington to go to town on the Avalanche, which meant that that was a game that they would magically pull a random win out. And that didn't happen either. <laughs> Every once in a while... When you expect the opposite to happen, then the opposite of the opposite happens. Well, jeez. It's like the opposite of opposite day. Yeah. So this week, we're going to not think too hard about it. Winnipeg twice and Ottawa. Uh, I think they beat Winnipeg both times and lose to Ottawa. 
I think they uh, play an overtime game, though. Which one? I don't know. Like like a win or a loss? A win. I think if they take Winnipeg to Ottawa, or to Winnipeg to overtime, they win. If they take Winnipeg to Ottawa, then Ottawa's going to be very confused. Right? <laughs> what is this city doing in my city? Um, so... I th- I, they've got a good chance that they make o- make overtime against Winnipeg because they are much more mobile than that team, and we all know how much Dustin Bufflin loves overtime. He does like beating the Avalanche, though. He does. He uh, that, that that's kind of a secondary question. How many days will how many games will Dustin Bufflin be suspended for destroying an Avalanche forward this week? Zero, because it's against an Avalanche forward. True question. No, the correct answer is zero because it's Dustin Bufflin. Okay. That works. So anyway, then you get to check out a game against the Isles next week. Yes. And then the Devils, who have been the most boring team in the league this year, and it's not even close. Big shock. And then the Rangers again, and the Wild. So that's two weeks of difficult games. I'm looking forward to most of them. Yeah, that Devils game might be one that I get drunk for. That Devils game is definitely not one of the back-to-back with travel against the Devils. <clears throat> we should bro Skype during that game. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's really not just, just a bad idea. Just planning ahead here, boys. Yeah. So you guys listen to this tomorrow. Just just mark that on your calendars. Mark it down. You don't usually catch a bro Skype schedule here, but sometimes you do. But you can always make sure that you catch what happened with the Avalanche in the previous week here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to AJ for joining us. Check out BSN Avalanche. Follow Mile High Hockey on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Mile High Hockey and Twitter.com slash Mile High Hockey. Follow the podcast at SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Mile High Hockey Podcast, MixCloud.com slash Mile High Hockey Podcast. Check us out on iTunes where you can subscribe, where you can rate, where you can review, where you can say amazing things about how great we are or amazing things about how much we suck. We will read I, I read them pretty regularly if I see something new. But at any rate, keep your head up and skip to the dirty areas. We'll see you in two weeks.